Kia ora everybody and welcome back to the Take Your Meds podcast. No intro jingle, we're just getting straight into it. We do not need a perfectly organized intro in order to be able to make the magic happen. So here we go, here we are. Today's episode is going to be focused in on five things that I wish I knew sooner in my healing journey and and actually five things I wish everyone knew sooner in their healing journey because there are so many periods when I look back on my own journey and as I'm supporting my clients to recognize the role that shame plays in keeping us stuck, keeping us disconnected from our authentic self and from our ability to take action. And that those shame spirals are so fucking debilitating. They're so annoying because we feel like we take five steps forward and then might take six steps back because we're using willpower. We're trying to use this kind of, you know, affirmation style approach to healing and to growth and to transformation. And sometimes, you know, we can find ourselves beating, beating ourselves up and saying things like, you know, I know for me anyways, I used to say, I'm so lazy or like, why can't I just get this? Like, why is why is this so hard for me? Um, but it's just not true. And so I just wish that there was more education around this out there. So what I've done is pulled together five things that I wish everyone knew sooner in healing um, their nervous system. So I want to invite you to grab a journal because this is really jam-packed with <laughs> lots of golden nuggets for you today. I've spent some time this afternoon just really grounding into what these five things are and some talking points for each of them. And right at the end of this podcast episode, I'm going to guide you through a short breathwork practice to connect with your authentic self and to ground your energy and to connect into the present moment. So stay with me for that. I'd love to practice with you right at the end of this episode. So um, what I wanted to just start this episode in sharing was just that when, before I found more trauma-informed education and mentorship and coaching, um, I had no idea how to really sit and be with all the stuff that was unresolved bubbling beneath the surface. If I slowed down enough to sit and be with that, I found it really overwhelming. And so I would kind of be in this constant go, go, go. I am recovering from a flight response. My nervous system has been recovering from an overactivation of the flight response for about five years now. And um, obviously breath work has been a really significant tool in helping me, you know, support my nervous system to heal through that. Um, and really understanding how the flight response shows up for me is this kind of avoidance pattern or this avoidance strategy where if I work more and focus on cleaning and organizing and staying busy and perfecting things and, you know, just throwing myself in more and more stuff that I'll be able to avoid the discomfort that's bubbling beneath the surface. So for me and the clients that I get to support who also have an overactivated flight response, the real work has been in learning how to recognize when that flight response turns on and recognize, oh, that's interesting. I'm taking on more than I can manage or that's interesting. I'm finding myself cleaning endlessly over the weekend or that's interesting. I'm noticing that I'm just like way too in the weeds on this project or just going back and forth way too much on it. Um, 
that's a sign that this flight response is online. So my real work is learning how to slow down and to sit and be with what it is that I'm avoiding, rejecting, denying, dismissing within my own system and learning how to create a sense of spaciousness to sit and be with that discomfort, to befriend it and to learn how to integrate that into my body and to unlock the stories that I have been telling myself around that so that I can find the truth really um, and to support me to come back into a place of safety and connection within my own self so that I can lead myself in the ways that I interact with the world around me so I can be a more present mother so that I can show up without overworking and urgency in my business so that I can show up for my community so that I can be open and receptive to creative possibilities so that I can be available for having fun in a really beautiful way that brings nourish nourishment to my being um and that this is the work that I get to do with my clients which is so inspiring to witness as they begin to slow down and repattern their nervous system. So I really wanted to just kind of let that all land in understanding that overworking and perfectionism really does help us soothe the discomfort and loss of control that we can feel in our internal worlds. Now, healing is not our purpose. Um, and we also get to be mindful of where we might be projecting that perfectionism onto our inner work. If we notice ourselves needing to rush healing or perfect healing or dig up every possible shadow and dig up every possible limiting belief and dig up every possible trauma and stress that's taken place in order to be able to perfect <laughs> the healing, it ain't it. That's also a beautiful sign that we are now projecting that perfectionism towards the inner work. So it's important to understand that safety and trust is developed over time. And those really small, consistent things that we can do a little bit often is actually what's going to be the most helpful and beneficial in recovering from stressful life events and supporting the nervous system to heal. Other thing that's important to know is that you can't actually think or learn your way into healing. And sometimes we actually find ourselves stuck in a loop of procrastination Um where we're actually pushing away the action required for us to be able to shift our state because it, that action might feel like too much in our nervous system. So we just want to stay in the familiar hell of rumination and looping and thinking and perhaps even, if you're anything like me in my healing journey, seeing if I could learn new things, listening to another podcast, reading another book, um, consuming more social media content, consuming more than I was creating for sure as a way to avoid and procrastinate the, um, the action that's actually required to shift out of the current reality. Again, with that trauma informed lens, it's like, yeah, that feels like too much for the nervous system. So really what I'm going to be taking you through today is going to be supporting you to be able to tolerate more discomfort and connect more deeply with your body as you begin to bring yourself out of stuck states or flighty states or emotional states that are keeping you disconnected from what you really want and achieving your goals with your healing. So, um, as I said before, it's that small, consistent, action that is going to support us to recover 
and to heal. And it's just like little micro doses of listening to our intuition, intuition and taking action in alignment with that to begin to build trust and confidence with ourselves to have a life that feels more authentic, with more ease, more grace, more joy. And it's not to say that life becomes, you know, there's no magical thinking here. Life doesn't become rainbows and daisies and everything's easy. What we're working towards with a really well-regulated nervous system is that we are flexible, we're adaptive, we're open to connect, we are available for creative possibilities and solutions, we are resourceful. And so I really want to encourage you, if you are on this journey, I remember many, many years ago when I first started reconnecting back with my intuition, it would literally be around opening my wardrobe and just asking my heart the question, what feels good to wear today? And it would be as simple as that. And then just wearing those clothes or what foods feel the most nourishing for me to eat today? Or what color should I notice in my energy as I'm going through my day today to support me for my highest good? It would be like little, small, low risk <laughs> um, low risk questions that I could ask myself in connecting with my intuition to begin to take action in alignment with them to then build my capacity to trust myself, which then lent, led me to be able to make some bigger decisions like leaving a very successful award-winning career and retraining in the healing arts and, and opening my own business, like leaving an unhealthy marriage and transforming the relationships I have with my friends and going all in on um, my dreams and bringing my creative projects and visions to life and um, making myself available to new connections and meeting new people that have really nourished and enriched my life. So that's just a little window into, I guess, some of the foundations of the episode that I want to dive into today. But the first thing, the number one thing I want to dive into as we begin to unpack this, five things I wish everyone knew sooner in healing their nervous systems, is that number one, stress and trauma are stored in your body. And so I want to start with a definition on what trauma is, because I know for me, when I first heard that word, I got really triggered and I was just like, nope, I've got no trauma. I'm really privileged. I've had a great life. You know, there's nothing that I need to look at with that, you know? But as we begin to unpack this a little bit more, we begin to understand that trauma is really something that is too much or too fast for the body-mind system to process in a healthy way, or it can also be not enough of something. So it's not just the situation that takes place. There is obviously the situation takes place that is stressful or traumatic, but it's also what we made that experience mean, which is where we can find that our psyche, the stories that we tell ourselves are frozen in a historic time, a time where a situation took place that was traumatic or stressful, that is now influencing our ability to be present, to be connected to our authentic self, our intuition, and to take action in alignment with that. And so, um, 
when we are experiencing that stressful event or that trauma, we do get an activation of our stress response come online. Now, the stress response is a, a really amazing thing that we have inside of our systems. The stress response is not something that we want to get rid of. I'm not about that monk life. I'm not about, you know, doing everything to just live in total peace. I definitely believe in having peace in my life, but I also want to be able to go out and find the edge of my upper limits and stretch them and absolutely believe in the impossible and make it happen while also being a very present, connected and attuned mother. All things can be true. So when we experience that stress response in the face of stress or trauma, um, we can see one of four stress responses come online and you may have a mix of them. I'm just going to briefly run through them. We have the fight or flight response, which are more commonly known. And the fight or flight, fight or flight response is when we get a healthy dose of anger into the system to support us with action. We're moving in a particular direction. So with the fight response, what you can often see when this is overactivated is emotional outbursts, aggression, bullying, blaming, and controlling. When we see an overactivation of the flight response, we see overworking, perfectionism. These are also, you know, safety mechanisms to keep us, you know, to create some sense of control when we feel our internal world is out of control. Um, and so those are the more common ones. We also have freeze and fawn. Now, freeze looks like a total shutdown of the nervous system. You're going to be disassociating, spaced out, numbed out, and it might look like spending a lot of time on social media, scrolling, playing video games, watching lots of TV series. We also have fawn, and fawn is probably the most common in the women that I get to work with inside of my programs. And this looks like people pleasing. It looks like codependency where the sense of self is no longer alive in the system in a way that feels safe to have a voice and to connect with the world around them. So instead, the fawn response comes online and um, we're really appeasing our environment as a way to keep ourselves safe. It's very smart, very intelligent. And for a lot of women, this has kept them safe. This does keep us safe. And it does get to a point where we can recognize that it's no longer helpful and useful. And we would like to create different, um, different relationship dynamics in our lives. And so part of recovering from that people-pleasing space is to reestablish a sense of identity, reestablish a sense of self, and to begin assert asserting that and feeling the discomfort that comes not only in your own body as you do that, but also for a lot of my clients, they're highly sensitive people, neurodivergent folk, and we are picking up on our environment all the time. And so we're also beginning to tolerate the discomfort that we can sense and feel from the environment as we begin to establish a sense of self in relationship to others who perhaps have gotten used to us not having any needs or boundaries or preferences, um, perhaps um, are surprised when we um, begin to communicate who we are and what we need to be well in a relationship with them. So those four stress responses come online to support us in the face of stress and trauma, to navigate safety. And really, um, those stress responses come online in the face of actual or perceived danger. So 
what I didn't understand in my healing journey and what I wish I knew sooner, what I wish more people knew sooner, is that I was stuck in a flight response long after the trauma or stressful event had taken place. And so my nervous system needed to learn that it was safe to unwind and to complete that stress cycle, that it was safe to process the core emotional wounds that uh, happened in the face of the stress and face of the trauma, and that it was safe to be in my body again. It was safe to sit and be with what was alive. And so uh, really key to healing and really key to supporting the nervous system, especially if you are in a safe environment, is to begin to do the work to repattern your nervous system to feel a sense of safety in the present moment and to get back into your body and to feel a sense of safety in your body. And so this is something that we can do inside of No New Things, my 12-week program. Core to this work is being in a really beautiful, safe environment to begin to tolerate sensations and emotions and to be seen in those, knowing that there's nothing wrong. You don't need to be fixed. You're not broken. Um, I don't need to save you. No one needs to save you. In fact, when you begin to sit and be with some of that discomfort, you begin to realize that you're so much more powerful than what you know. And perhaps that there's some stories that sit around emotions and feelings that um, keep you disconnected from them. Whereas as you begin to move through those stories, what we do inside of No New Things is realize that, you know, emotions are just energy in motion and they're passing through the system and they're going to connect us more deeply with our authenticity because they each bring a message. And so we do want to learn how to tolerate them inside the body to bring us into deeper connection with our authenticity. So number one, stress and trauma are stored in your body. You can't think and learn your way out of that. You can't vent your way out of that. You can't talk your way out of that. Talk therapy is so fucking helpful. And venting to your friends in a particular stage of your healing is so fucking helpful. And you can burn your friendships out through venting over and over again. And you can find that you might be going into therapy and, and working through different things, but not actually finding yourself in a different place. This is when it might be a good time to begin to work with the body and support your body to process the built up stress and trauma that has happened from those different events that have taken place in your life. So um, that is number one. Number two, as you begin to do that, this is what I wish I knew sooner, what I wish more people knew sooner, is that it does get worse before it gets better. If you've been running away from decades of stress and trauma and you have been stuck in a survival state, you've been stuck in a stress response and your nervous system hasn't learned how to tolerate feelings of peace and of safety and of play and of pleasure, and uh, there's, there's a bit bubbling beneath the surface. So there could be grief. There could be shame, fear, guilt. Um, there could be immense joy. There could be bliss. There could be so many things wanting to be felt. Um, and what I know for me and for so many of my clients is that it does get worse before it gets better. You're bringing up stuff that has been suppressed, rejected, denied, diminished for perhaps even your whole life. And so it makes sense that you're going to feel a little bit shit. It makes sense that 
Um, you might find yourself in more of that free state where you don't want to get out of bed. It might be that it is quite challenging to get through the day. But with the right tools and with the right community support and connection, you are able to navigate that and know that nothing has gone wrong. You're just working through the built up energy uh, that has been in your system that you've been running away from or that you've been fighting or that you've been frozen in or that you have been um, neglecting. I mean, there's so many different ways that we can push down those sensations and run away from them because they have felt like they're too much or they're, they're too intense for our systems. And so healing is really about tolerating discomfort and integrating painful experiences with new stories about what they mean and completing the stress cycles that are connected to them. Uh, and this is why point number three is really important, which I'm titling buffer baby. You really want to buffer <laughs> a bunch of joyful and peaceful experiences for yourself as you begin to bring up this stuff. So what I love to do in supporting my clients inside of No New Things is I actually get them to make a joy board. And the joy board is about writing down all the things that they love to do when they're a child, all the things that spark their joy, all the things that they see people on social media doing that they might even feel triggered by and judge, whether that's dressing up or going roller skating, anything that you're like, oh, that's so childish. They just need to grow up, you know, getting them to really notice all those things that spark joy and maybe even feel a little edgy to be like, yeah, actually, I think I would really enjoy that. Putting them as either pictures or words up on one of the workbooks that you receive inside of No New Things. You could just, if you want to just get a piece of paper and do this, you can inside Word or maybe you want to scrapbook it. And really commit at least 30 minutes a week to doing an activity that brings you joy. When we have positive experiences, they help us buffer out some of the stuff that's going to be coming up. We got to laugh. We got to be having fun. I mean, if all your inner work is like giving trenches, it's giving like dig, 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 hard, hard, hard. It is hard and you are digging and you want to make sure that you're also creating the space for yourself to laugh and have fun and have these joyful experiences because they are actually going to resource you to be able to tolerate and like go back in. You know what I mean? With that buffering, yes, we have a joy board, but we also need daily grounding. And so daily grounding inside of No New Things, there is a 30 days of grounding challenge that everyone receives when they first join, as well as a bunch of different grounding exercises. Um, but if you wanted to commit the next 30 days to supporting yourself to ground your energy, that might look like every single morning, first thing in the morning, going outside barefoot, putting your feet on the grass and noticing three things that you can hear, three things that you can feel, three things that you can smell, three things that you can see, three things that you can taste, three things that you can sense and work your way down to two things, then down to one thing. It might take you about five minutes, maybe less, but that's what you're doing to really ground your energy and cultivate presence. As we begin to bring up subconscious material for processing 
sometimes that can trigger the stress response again. And we might find ourselves in that flight, like running away, getting busy because it's feeling like it's a bit too much to sit and be with that stuff. And so it's really important. The more that we can bring ourselves back to the present moment, the more that we can support ourselves to stay connected to the here and now, the more that we train the mind and the body to come back, the more we are able to support our nervous systems to tolerate uh, the discomfort that can come up as we begin to process that subconscious material that has been suppressed, rejected, denied, dismissed, diminished for so long. Okay, so that's number three, buffer, baby, buffer. We want joy experiences and we want peaceful grounding experiences. Okay, next point is less talking, more feeling. So many times I see clients and friends and family who have gone through things and are just stuck inventing cycles. And this has been my experience too. And I have to catch myself when I'm doing it with friends. Um, I've really started to tune in and practice more boundaries, which has been amazing, um, which can look like, hey, I've got something that I would love uh, for you to be able to hold space and specifically give feedback or just be a listening ear. Do you have the capacity for that before just like randomly dumping stuff on friends and family? I'm still learning to practice that more and more. Um, but it really gets me thinking of like, okay, hang on. Am I about to get back into a venting cycle and not actually support myself in any way, shape or form to move through what it is that I'm moving through? And also I really want to like honor my connections in my life so that I am creating space for more playful, expansive, inspiring, motivating conversations rather than having friends just be kind of dumping grounds for stuff that is stuck and stored in the body. And it's just not actually helpful and useful to stay venting about it. Anyways, we need to be talking less about it and feeling it more. Um, journaling is awesome. If you begin to notice that you've got lots of racy thoughts, I definitely encourage you to grab a journal and just write down like, how am I feeling right now? What thoughts am I noticing? And just let yourself write freely. Like there's no right or wrong. It's just like getting it all down. You can kind of be in more of an observer-like state rather than like fully connected in and associated with the thoughts. And that can create some space. And also what I've noticed with this work is that when you're when the thoughts are racy and when there is a lot going on in the head, that's a really good sign and signal that the body doesn't fully feel safe and that it is trying to think to create a sense of safety. So what I like to do is to just practice a pause and to support myself to get back into my body in whatever way makes sense. We do cover a lot of this inside of No New Things, inside of our emotional literacy module, which is module two, where we learn um, how to name emotions that are sitting in the body, as well as describe where they are, tolerate the sensations of them, and to begin to feel them as kind of like a, con a contraction as well as an expansion as they move through the body. Um, but we really want to get more into the body to feel and to emote and um, to begin to safely express those emotions. So for some people, it can look like grabbing a pillow and releasing anger and screaming. For some, it can look like dance and 
feeling deep sense of a deep sense of pleasure and movement. There are so many different ways that we can channel those emotions in a healthy way rather than having the emotion activate the stress response, which then gets us stuck in cycles that are no longer helpful and useful for our healing journey. So as we begin to talk less and feel more, we begin to build a tolerance slowly over time for sensations to be inside of the body-mind system. And I do want to say, like, this is this is brave work. My clients inspire me every fucking day. Like, this is brave and courageous work to come off autopilot, to begin to recognize your personality, those things that you're just like, oh, that's just the way I am, or I just do that like that, or you know, they're just that way, or, you know, to come off all those autopilot settings and to begin to observe how you are is brave and courageous work. And so I really want to acknowledge you and honor you if you're on that journey um, and to celebrate you as well. It's just so, so important that as we begin to do this inner work, yes, we're bringing this stuff up and we also get to celebrate those micro moments where we're no longer late for a meeting or we're no longer running to our car in between meetings to get to the next thing or we're no longer letting that anger be projected out onto our loved ones. We're able to kind of practice a pause and choose to respond rather than react like all those little micro moments there, that's emotional labor. That's unseen emotional labor that we're putting in to repattern the nervous system, to reorganize our reality, reorganize our relationship with our personality, to uh, unlock and untap our potential. Like, yeah, I really just want to emphasize how important it is to celebrate those little wins as well along the way as part of uh, no new things each week, there is space for us to celebrate those wins in community and to really be seen in that. And perhaps uh, no new things isn't the right time for you, but perhaps you've got a loved one that you can share those little wins with, or perhaps you've got someone who's also curious and interested about doing the inner work um, in your life. And you guys can set up, I don't know, like a weekly check-in and just say like, Hey, What's some emotional labor that you've been doing that you want to be seen in and celebrated in? And I really want to recognize you in that. Um, it's so healing to recognize the progress that you're making and acknowledge that. So, yes, we're also learning to tolerate those sensations of grief or sadness or regret or shame. And we're also learning to tolerate sensations like feeling a sense of um, pride in our progress or feeling a sense of confidence and feeling a sense of bliss as we begin to like keep the promises we're making to ourselves. So yeah, it's all coming up to the surface. So less talking, more feeling. And then lastly, as you change the relationship with yourself, your relationship changes with the world around you. And so as you begin to create the space for yourself to heal and to support your nervous system to begin to process stress and complete stress cycles and feel sensations and allow emotions to move through the body-mind system, you begin to have this more compassionate and kind relationship with yourself. And in that, you begin to acknowledge that two things can be true. You can have a kind, compassionate relationship with yourself. You can have empathy for yourself and you can have empathy for others. 
a lot of my clients are recovering from that people-pleasing state and they forget that, you know, having empathy for others is not complete without having empathy for themselves. They're willing to lose themselves and having empathy for others. Oh, they've experienced this trauma. They've experienced this stressful life event. They're going through these things. Yeah, absolutely. And two things can be true. You have your own lived experience. You're navigating your own things and being able to hold and have space for your own experience means that you're also able to navigate your relationships with others in a different way where you also get to take up space. You also get to be seen. You also get to be heard and you get to navigate two senses of selves. <laughs> um, if it's a healthy dynamic, you'd be able to navigate having perhaps a little more conflict in your life. Conflict isn't a bad thing. Healthy conflict is amazing. It fosters deeper levels of connection and intimacy, but it does take two willing participants and it does take you having the ability to be able to have empathy for your own experience as well. And so as you begin to find your own voice and let your voice live in your body, uh, you begin to feel safe to share it, even if your voice shakes. And as you begin to do that, you might notice that relationships in your life begin to shift, evolve and change. And in that, you notice that there is a space for forgiveness. Like, I actually get to forgive myself for abandoning myself for so long. I get to forgive myself for, for, for neglecting my own needs and my own well-being for so long. And to begin to feel that sense of forgiveness as well and to turn back towards that inner child and let them know that you're here now and you're not going to neglect them. You're not going to abandon them. You're not going to deny their reality. You're going to stay connected, stay present with what's required for you to be well and to do that in relationship with the world around you in a healthy way. And so it's so beautiful to begin to see how forgiveness can show up to support us in healing that relationship with ourselves. And feeling that in the nervous system as well, letting forgiveness kind of move through as this like healing balm. It's so beautiful. And as we begin to do that, we, as I said, create a better sense of understanding on who we are, what our values are, what our needs are, what our preferences are, and how we want to live all of that out, um, where we sit and hold boundaries, what it looks like to compromise, what we are available for, what we're not available for, having standards. And, and I remember when I started this work, all of that shit fucking scared me. I had no idea what any of that meant for me. And years later, I can, I can say that it has been one of the hardest things, but also one of the most rewarding things, because I really want to let this land too. This next thing I'm going to say, choice and agency is so sacred and Honoring someone's ability to choose to be in a relationship with you based on your most authentic self. Oh my God, there's nothing more rewarding for me now in those connections because I know I'm being so honest with myself when I show up in the world around me. I don't need to manipulate. I don't need to please. I don't need to fawn. I don't need to perform. I just get to be me because I've chosen me and I know what that feels like now. And in choosing myself, I can also acknowledge that when someone else chooses to connect with the most authentic version of me, the relationship just feels so safe and it feels so much more fun and so much like there's just so much more space for that 
inner child to come out and play. And there's just this deeper sense of safety and, and peace and presence that gets to come in those kinds of relationships. Um, and it, it yeah, there's just something so freaking incredible about honoring everyone's ability to choose and that when they choose what is true, good and right for them and when you choose what's true and right for you and when those stars align, it's like, oh, wow, this is so cool. <laughs> and the sense of gratitude just grows and there's a greater sense of detachment. It's like I actually don't need you to choose me in order to be okay. I know how to self-soothe. I know how to support my nervous system. I know how to tolerate the sensation of loneliness or the story of loneliness. I know how to be flexible in my nervous system and go, cool, you know, this rejection is a redirection. So I'm going to invest my energy somewhere else and I can bounce back quite quickly to do that now because just acknowledging that the value, the sacredness of someone's choice in like a real meaningful connection with you, oh, it's just like a thriving space for authenticity. And I'm just like kinky for authenticity as well. This whole space is all about. Um, and it's so important to know, you know, like you haven't met everyone who's going to love you yet. I saw that on Instagram once. It's just always stayed with me. Haven't met everyone who's going to love you yet. And as you begin to practice being your most authentic self and, and having that relationship first and foremost with yourself and noticing that, and then practicing that with the world around you, you might begin to notice that there are some relationships that evolve and grow and some that fall away. And having the uncertainty and the unknown of, well, where do I belong? Or what's what communities am I connected with? Or um, where are the spaces where I really get to feel safe in the authenticity of who I really am, it can bring that stress response back online and and feel like, fuck, like, ah, it is feeling like it's a bit too much to not necessarily have those spaces. But to be able to self-soothe and to have a life that is rich in the things that bring you joy and bring you peace, you have a greater capacity to self-soothe that discomfort. And as I said before, as, as that energy gets rejected and um, you notice that, oh, that's interesting, I can kind of redirect that somewhere else, you feel this greater sense of agency and, and power within yourself to, to trust the process because you have a life that you love and you've filled it with things that are authentic and meaningful to you. You don't need these attachments or there isn't this neediness in the dynamics that you choose to create. It's more loving and free. Like love feels like freedom. And it also does feel like sacrifice and making sacrifices for the people that you love for sure. Um, but when you stay undeniably connected to that authentic self you will begin to turn people off as well as magnetize those that are a really authentic match to the essence of who you are. Okay, that's there's a lot we've covered off here. To recap, the five things that I wish everyone knew in healing their nervous systems. Number one, stress and trauma is stored in your body. Number two, it does get worse before it gets better. Number three, buffer, buffer baby, buffer with joy and peace. Number four, less talking, more feeling. Number five, as the relationship changes with yourself, the relationship that you have with the world around you changes. 
Nothing has gone wrong. This is all natural and normal. If you have resonated with anything I've shared inside of this podcast episode, please shoot me a DM. I would love to hear from you specifically what really resonated and what really landed and what's going to be most helpful and most supportive for you in achieving your goals as you heal your nervous system and come out of those overactivated stress responses to come back into a place of responding to life, coming off all those autopilot settings and really having the ability to live out your values and to prioritize what is good for you, to prioritize what supports you to be well and to live in alignment with your authentic self. I'm going to guide you through a short practice now. As I said at the start, I wanted to offer that up. And right at the end, I'm going to um, just ask you a question. So for those that have tuned in before, what I'm going to guide you through is something called restorative breath work. Those that have practiced with me before, you'll know that this is about activating our parasympathetic nervous system to go into rest and digest. So when we're in that overactivated stress response, the parasympathetic nervous system that state is where we can really support our body to process and release toxins, but also to come out of that stress response, come back into a state of peace, of presence, of connection with ourselves. And so restorative breath work works by breathing in through the nose for a count of two and out through the mouth for a count of two. And as we breathe, we're drawing the breath all the way down into the diaphragm. So the breath is full and deep. As you breathe in through the nose, you draw the breath down. And as you breathe out through the mouth, you've got a soft jaw and you want to keep the place between your eyebrows nice and soft as well. And we are going to do 22 breaths today. We're going to just follow breathing in a conscious and connected rhythm that whole time. And then we'll do a breath hold. After the breath hold, we're going to do another 22 breaths together. And then we'll... Just drop in with a hold and I'll ask you a question. Now, if you're hapu, if you're pregnant, then it's really important to know that as you're breathing, you're not going to do any of the breath holds and you're going to breathe in a really soft and gentle rhythm. As you breathe in through your nose, you're going to breathe out through your mouth, but imagine a straw and kind of purse your lips and breathe softly and gently through that straw. So you're going to do no breath holds and on your exhale, breathe through a straw. So you're not going to practice breath work if you're driving. You're going to pull over. And you can do this sitting or lying down. It's entirely up to you. It's really natural and normal to feel a little bit dizzy or lightheaded. It's also really natural and normal to begin to feel emotions or sensations inside the body-mind system. And it's also really natural and normal to feel tingling, vibrations, and to notice the mind resisting. <laughs> really natural and normal. So I want to see if you can stay with me and stay with this practice. But I'm going to invite you now to find a really comfortable position. You can do this uh, sitting down or lying down, as I said before. But as you find that place of rest, I want to invite you to notice your feet on the ground. Invite you to notice your sitting bones on the chair or the floor beneath you. Invite you to notice your shoulders and your head. And just taking a moment to connect in with your body. And just noticing how your breath is organizing right now. 
Just noticing if the breath is deep and full or if it's more shallow. If it feels cool or warm as it comes out of your nose. Not making up a story about what it means, just connecting. And in a few moments, I'm going to count us down. Before I do, I just want to invite you to set an intention for this breathwork practice. It might be to support your nervous system to heal. It might be to feel a sense of connection and presence into your body. It might be to hear your intuition. It might be to quieten your mind. It might be something else, but just acknowledge that intention and seeing if you can offer that intention over to the wind or the water or fire or the earth to just come back into a place of connection with your body. I'm going to count us down. We'll start breathing together. In three, two, one. You're over halfway, continuing to breathe in for a count of two, out for a count of two, drawing that breath all the way down into the diaphragm. That's it. Just acknowledging the resistance, noticing that two things can be true, that you can breathe fully and deeply and you can meet the resistance. We've got three breaths to go here. Two. Final deep breath in and all the way out. <sighs> and you're just going to hold here for 20, 19, 18, 17, 16, 15, 14, 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7. Six, five, four, three, two, one. Breathing in. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight, nine, ten, eleven. Continuing to breathe in your own rhythm. That's it. Drawing that breath all the way down into your diaphragm. In for a count of two. Out for a count of two with no pause in between. That's it. We've got five to go here. Four. Three, two, 
Final deep breath in. And all the way out with a sigh of sound. <sighs> Holding here. Inviting you to place a hand on your heart and ask your heart the question, what do you want me to know right now? What does my inner guidance want me to know about my healing journey? Whenever it feels good for you, you can let your breath return to its own natural rhythm. Just taking a moment to notice how your mind feels, how your body feels, how your heart feels. And when you feel ready, wriggling your fingers, wriggling your toes, as you slowly blink your eyes back open, just noticing something that feels safe to connect with. It might be a tree or a plant. It might be your own body. But just noticing what safe feels like inside your body as you connect. Looking around your space, connecting fully back into the present moment. And giving yourself thanks for showing up and practicing some breath work. Some breath work to help support your nervous system, to support your connection with your authenticity, your intuition, your inner guidance. And I really want to celebrate you and acknowledge you in creating that space in this busy world with so many complex, stressful things going on outside of our control just want to celebrate you and acknowledge you for making the space to show up and do something for yourself learning on this episode with me and also practicing being in your body feeling tolerating sensations and connecting with that inner guidance and that wisdom there are applications that are open for the next round of no new things we kick off in may and no new things is my 12-week group program dedicated to supporting you to experience emotional healing to heal from the past to connect with what supports you to be well and to have the confidence and the clarity to live that out and to really begin to live a life that you love live a life that supports you to be well and connected to your authentic self applications and registrations are open now if you'd love to come with us on that journey and be supported in community with the education the mentorship and the coaching to support you to reach your goals then I'd love to hear from you so you can uh, visit my website www.gemmarose.nz forward slash no new things to find out more or you can shoot me a dm on instagram that's it for this episode as I've said before, if there's anything that's resonated or connected with you, either inside the breathwork practice or inside the five things I've shared today, I would love to hear from you. So shoot me a message and let me know what has really stood out. And that's it for today's episode. No fancy jingle to end. Just me saying thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your support and I will talk to you soon.